Okay, so hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of Chatter. Today I am delighted to be joined by uh, Drew Berry, uh, biological animator, I believe is your official title. That is, that's correct. Thank you. Thank you, Josh. No problem. Um, so I first came across your work uh, by, by, well, by finding your TED talk. Um, and I, I'm going to share a little bit of it at some point while we're, while we're speaking. I'll just like share, put it on screen for people to look at because it's, it's truly, truly wondrous. Um, so hmm. you will do a far better job than I will at explaining what, what you do. So how, how would you, in a nutshell, describe um, what a biological animator is doing? Sure. Uh, so I've uh, been a biomedical animator for about 30 years. And what that means is um, I'm a scientist by background, and I'm able to convert the discoveries of molecular biology of, uh, of medicine um, into a visual story that you can watch in action. Because a lot of the mechanisms are a lot of the discoveries of science are uh, buried in the jargon and the fancy language of science, and it's very complicated and hard to understand. And I translate it into a visual story reconstructed from real data, uh, so it's as accurate as we can possibly make it while it's still being watchable to people. And so you watch it in action, and you get to come to an understanding of how the molecular me mechanisms inside your cells that keep you alive, how that how that works. It's it's truly magical. So so honestly, like the first the first question that I had when I when I was watching it is, it even down to to like the colors because you you described um I can't I can't remember the name of the artist but someone who'd um like painted a bunch of these cells um basically at at the at the the level that you're you're looking at like how how do you know what color it is to that when mm. you're when you're animating it. Uh, well, uh, first of all, uh, so there's a long tradition of um, illustrating or using a microscope to observe cells and then to draw them by hand back 100 years ago uh, or even further. Um, and cells themselves are generally transparent. Uh, they're like a clear plastic bag in water filled with, you know, glass beads. So you can't, there's not much color really there, but we need um, ways of transforming that into something that's, you know, you can look at and understand. So I, I use color as an artistic element. Another aspect of color is that uh, at the molecular scale, where most of my stories are at, like DNA and how proteins and enzymes work, is uh, smaller than the wavelength of visible light. So color has no meaning. Um, but again, uh, it's a very important artistic element, uh, a communication element to use. Um, and so it's it's really a aesthetic choice that I bring to it. Um, uh, yeah, it's just one of the tools we have as an artist to evoke meaning and to create contrast and uh, to help tell a story. Okay, so the colors that uh, that I'm seeing on the videos aren't the actual colors that they will be. It's just like a visual representation so that we're able to discern like the different elements that you're trying to animate. It's it's there to uh, highlight and to reveal uh, different aspects of what you're looking at, the mechanisms, uh, but it's also there um, as to evoke a, a feeling of emotion. Um, so when you're looking at a cancer cell, um, I want you to feel like it looks like it's disease. So I'll use yellows and greens. Sort of, that's what we tend to feel like is disease. Uh, if it's a healthy cell or a healthy environment, then it'll be pinks and purples because we're mammals we think reds and those sorts of warm colors are healthy so it's it's um and then if it's if it's something that i want you to be disgusted by like a parasite i'll make it yellows and greens so it's it's um very much just a storytelling element but a very vital one for you know commuting communicating with humans <laughs> what was your background like did you have a background in art 
No, um, I started my career as a cell biologist. I went into university uh, at the 1988, um, and I wanted to be a marine scientist, um, but I ended up doing cell biology, working in lots of microscopes and loving the world of cells. Uh, but I was also the first generation who grew up with access to computers. Um, I had a Commodore 64, uh, a TRS-80. These are all like black and white boxes, uh, very simple graphics, but they're a lot of fun. This is back... Uh, and so when I was a teenager, I had, um, uh, you know, I was the first generation had a, a computer in my bedroom, essentially. And the most important one for me was the Amiga in the early 1990s, which is way ahead of its time, had tons of fantastic games. It was really important for the music industry as well, had great sound. And I spent my summers wasting my life playing games and goofing around with computer graphics. Um, and then when I ended up in a lab, uh, starting a PhD, um, there are opportunities for me to animate the, the science that we were discovering. So how cells divide and how they pull their DNA, uh, their chromosomes apart during mitosis. Um, and I reconstructed that with animation to help tell that story. And we were producing education videos distributed on VHS cassette um, for classroom use. Uh, and that was sort of early 1990s. And so that's where it began. And uh, I, I just did it because I wanted to, and it was fun. And I was fascinated and blown away by the science. And it was a really, animation's a really uh, perfect tool set to help tell those kind of stories. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's it's like even the even the hollow music video that you did with mm. with Bjork is is like is mesmerizing like for um I'll actually I'll bring it up on screen for people who while they're while I'm talking here so I I, I remember watching it and and just I was so mesmerized by the animation I, I didn't realize there was music playing till about three minutes in <laughs> because it's, it's a pretty dark weird song actually so yeah and it's it's about tumbling in and and her connection with her through her DNA to her ancestors. So it's a very spooky, disturbing kind of song. Um, a weird one for Bjork. Can you imagine that? So, uh, and I was just the, probably the most fun project I've ever worked on. She was fantastic and had a lot of different aspects to it. Uh, so the animation itself, it's like five minutes long and it's a powers of 10 journey through her body to see her DNA uh, interacting with her DNA. And also you see her ancestral spirit manifest as sort of a, uh, a molecular complex that her it was built off of her face that you see later on. And, and it's sort of watching her genes patch, pass from one generation to the next. And that's kind of the spirit and the, the, the journey of that song. Mm. To what extent is that real, actually? Like the, our, our genetics are, are literally the entire history of our, our ancestry. Is that, is that, is that accurate or is that just like a, a human like trope that we've sort of invented? Uh, well, first of all, that was a Bjork uh, music video and I'm allowed to play around a little bit. And uh, that was kind of the, the idea of her song. Uh, but, you know, there is a, it's true, we are all connected. All life on earth is connected through our DNA all the way back. We're all branching and chaining away. Um, and so every, all everything we've discovered on all living things on earth use the same molecular mechanisms for storing and for passing information from one generation to the next. Um, and also the molecular mechanisms that uh, power ourselves, that bring us, make us be alive. The chemistry that makes us be alive is the same all throughout life on earth. Uh, so there is a, definitely a connection there. And um, 
that I feel for all life. Um, but of course, yeah, with the Bjork song, you can also have a bit of whimsy and and play around. And so the animation itself, the the five minute animation, was one where I was very ready for it because I just finished a textbook of biology and uh, for the last, you know, I spent a few couple of years on that project. And so I had all this tool set ready to create uh, these visualizations that you saw in the Bjork video. So. Uh, it was at me letting my hair down if I had any uh, and, and having a play. So, and I, I always like those kind of opportunities and art always, always offers that. Hmm. How did, uh, how did you get involved with her? Had she just like heard about your work and then like reached out? Uh, so um, in 2002, I did, I was part of a DNA series that we did DNA replication. Uh, it's uh, my most famous animation. And um, it, I know it gets played in classrooms all around the world for biology. And it shows the mechanism of how DNA is pulled apart and made uh, making exact copy of each strand. Uh, so that was a very serious technical animation. And I thought it was going to be a disaster because it was all too complicated and showing enzymes how they're working. It turns out that was the one that really resonates with a huge public uh, and ended up in lots of different venues, museums, art galleries. Um, and Bjork saw that in uh, 2009 and she con contacted me out of the blue because she had her album she was working on, Biophilia, and she was wondering whether I'd be interested in creating a uh, DNA replication drum machine. Um, so, yeah, totally. Uh, and uh, ended up what, creating what, the music video. A, and what is a DNA replication drum machine? <laughs> Uh, uh, so uh, uh, there, there's a great video uh, on YouTube, which I'll provide, uh, of her describing what that's about. But essentially her album, Biophilia, was a collection of instruments. Each song was a kind of an aspect of music. Um, and for my song, Hollow, it was... Um, about rhythm. And uh, so DNA, the replication mechanism looks like uh, two arms drumming away. Uh, uh, and it's kind of the way that DNA is pulled apart and each strand then gets copied. Um, and I so I uh, manipulated that into something that it was interactive on the iPad that you could, you could set up uh, different rhythms, uh, and these little enzymes would run along and trigger different beats. And so it was, it became a drum machine, uh, not true to the science, uh, but, you know, it, it looks sufficiently good to, it was a good representation. It sounds like an amazing project to be involved in. Um, so you started talking about this uh, most famous animation of yours, the the DNA um, replicating sort of strands or the DNA, yeah. DNA replicating machine and the two strands that come get pulled apart. So I'm just playing it on screen for people here now so they can they can look um, look at it while we talk. But uh, I remember looking at it and and just thinking, this is just so outrageously and ridiculously complicated, and it's at the most tiny, ridiculous molecular scale that that you can possibly imagine. So, like, well, first question: how how on earth do you see this this close? So you said that um, like it's beyond what you're able to show on like microscopes. Um, it's like, what did you say? It was smaller or smaller than the, the wave, uh, a wavelength, wavelength of light, a wavelength right, of light. Yeah. That was it. Mm. So, so high on earth, can you like, uh, observe or understand what's going on here to like great enough an extent to like animate something so complex? Hmm. Uh, so first of all, that animation I created in 2002, uh, based on the science that we had at the time. And what's particularly interesting about that is we only had, uh, fragments of data. Uh, so th that particular animation is a Frankenstein 
with parts I took from a yeast, uh, like baker's yeast. Uh, this is from the, the literature published in the science. Uh, there's parts of it that are bacteria, uh, parts of it that are human, and yet you could kind of assemble it to represent how all of these, how how humans, the replication system works. Uh, nowadays, we have all of those structures for humans and for all the different uh, organisms uh, very accurately. Now, to how uh, so science um, over the last twenty years has just gone through such. A transformation and the pace of discovery is so fast. We have lots of different techniques for probing and for accurately determining the exact shapes of these molecules. And then we have other ways of working out how which molecules are getting together, interacting, and then other techniques where they use to work out where they're at, where they're in where they might articulate or where the reactions are happening. So there's essentially lots of little fragments of detail that are extremely accurate. These are not. Um, but there's no direct way of filming it, uh, but there is oh, lots and lots of detail, lots of lots of uh, forms of data that describe exactly what how these things are working. So I take those forms of data, I bring them, I integrate them together uh, from my interpretation of the literature, and then I reconstruct that what I'm reading uh, to as accurately as I can show you what is being discovered and described. Um, so it, so that DNA replication me mechanism is occurring, that I'm, I'm presenting it from 20 years ago at real-time speed. That's how fast it works inside your cells. Now you have 10 trillion human cells. Uh, each one of those cells probably has... Uh, 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 you know, up to half dozen or eight or 10 of those mechanisms right now. So you have trillions of that enzyme mechanism copying your DNA and it does it with so few errors. It's it's quite incredible. Um, and it's in a very messy molecular environment too. So it is mind boggling, but the more you get into it, it just becomes even more incredible. Uh, but that is the way life on earth, life on earth works. Hmm. So, so you're saying you like you piece everything together from from like fragments of of yeah different papers about about how DNA replicates because because all life on Earth replicates in this in this fashion. So what we're looking at um, is yeah roughly. Uh, so so uh, one thing is um, all the different organisms have variations of it because uh, okay. uh, um, uh, so there uh, it suits the like if a bacteria needs to. Copy. Uh, they did. They divide and divide and divide really, really, really quickly, and they need to copy their DNA so they can just grow. And that, you know, bacteria just grow as much as they can. And their mechanism is optimized for speed. So uh, it's 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 literally. So our mechanism occurs and it creates like thirty or forty bases per second. So it, it's copying thirty or forty letters of the genetic code per second, where bacteria can do 700 or 1,000 letters per second. And that's because they need a copy. And so they have lots more errors. They, they, they don't have the error correction that we do. We For us, it's important that our cells don't have errors. Otherwise, it ends up with cancer or other genetic diseases, uh, where bacteria, they just want to copy, copy, copy as fast as they can. So the point is, uh, the mechanism is broadly correct, but uh, all life on Earth has variations and evolution has taken it to all sorts of different directions for that suit the nature of all the, each individual organism. Uh, but, you know, all the branches of life all link together. So it's, it's roughly similar. So... Essentially, you're like a like a biomedical detective as well. At the same time, needing to put all the pieces of the case together to make the the animations. It's uh, that, that's what science is. Uh, that's what researchers do. Uh, and but the problem they have is that they can't show it to people. 
they can only describe it with their fancy language of science uh where i'm uh i'm, I'm you know that's what i've been doing I, i'm very fluent in science and i know how to access the literature and how to review and interpret what i'm reading there um and i'm not bothered by the the, the complex language of science uh so i turn it into a um you know a, to something you can watch and uh that's you know really essential to understanding how it works mm. Why do you think more scientists aren't better communicators? Is it do you think it's just like the nature of the the personality that that's able to do the work isn't all, like always necessarily like there isn't a lot of crossover with the people who are like I don't know good communicators? Uh, definitely, that's an aspect. Um, what I'm doing is multidisciplinary. Um, I mean, it's cinema crafting. Um, a visual narrative through sequences of moving images. Uh, it's very much science uh, interpreting that. And then it's animation technology as well. Uh, but for scientists also, they are trained to communicate to other scientists and they are trained to be very critical of other scientists and to be able to uh, take apart what, what another scientist is saying. So they have to be very explicit to when they talk to each other. And that's why they use their you know, particular jargon and language that they use in science so they can be communicate to another scientist, but they find then are not trained or um, uh, most often not very good at explaining it to uh, the rest of the public. Um, there are certainly lots of exceptions out there, but but it generally uh, it's because they, they are trained to be very careful with their language to communicate to other scientists. Um, so, yeah, that, so that leaves a big wide space for me to step in. Mm. Well, you're doing a great job so far. Like when, whenever you look at things that are this complex and down to this, yeah, the the, the less than the width of a, a wavelength of light. Mm. Like, do you ever just go, "What on earth is life that it's it's this complicated mm. down uh, to this level?" All, all the time. I mean, I think it's one of the wonders of mystery of being a, a being of of existing um, is the fact that there's life. Um, is the fact that there's consciousness. I think these are fantastic uh, things to reflect on. Um, I, I, but I think because we're in the system, I don't. I think it will have a long time before we really can understand how it all came about. But, but I mean, I, I I'm very into. I, I'm very excited by those ideas, and I can't wait for us the the James Webb Space Telescope to detect an atmosphere with life out there, uh, just to show that we're not alone in this universe because I, I very much expect that to be the case i think life is inherent to the universe i think life uh wherever it can will happen um um so that's a that's a grand mystery okay so you think that's a, an inevitability the discovery of life on I, another planet I, I don't think there's anything special about what's the earth itself i think there you know it has it's special in that it's in the goldilocks zone close to the sun and we have lots of water and um and you know the history of earth and the, having the moon to protect us so there's lots of those sorts of things but there are just uncountless planets and stars out there that will have the similar sort of circumstance and i i personally the, I, there's nothing special about what happened on earth um i think it'll be i hope it'll be very common out there mm. What do you think our best chance of finding something like what 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 will we be looking for, like uh like atmospheric like signalers or like radio pulses or, Ooh, that'd be cool. I, I'd love to have a bit of communication out there, but but it'll also be terrifying because um, it implies that they're smart and mm -hmm. uh, moving around. Um, I, I I I think it'll be an atmospheric, like we 
there's phosphine on Venus recently, which now they're saying it's probably just chemistry happening. But uh, there's, uh, I think there'll be clues like oxygen in an atmosphere and uh, which is very reactive. And so it'd be unlikely that it, it has to be, anyway, there'll be things out there or, or on Mars. I mean, they'll be kind of more boring if we find out, I mean, it will be boring on Mars has life. Uh, so our solar system has life. Um, you know, if we find bacteria or some sort of primitive organism there, uh, but it shows it gets around, it spreads, it's, it can happen wherever. I know, I, I can't wait. I, I, I really hope that in my lifetime, that's resolved or we find mm. signs of life out there. That'd be, that'd be wonderful. Yeah, wouldn't it? Well, would you, <laughs> do, do you think it's, it's something that like naturally occurs or do you think it's like uh, panspermia where, it's be, where it got like flung through the universe on a comet? Tardigrades, man. Have you seen tardigrades? They're, they're little water bears. They're fantastic. No, I think I think it chemistry. Um, I think it's inherent to the universe. I think um, it's you know it'll it'll be on mineral surfaces uh, that that have a enzyme reaction loop, or uh, it it could, it could be lots of things that start off life. But I do think, and once you get start off, and you have variation, and you have uh, a loop. Um, then it, that that has variation, then you can have evolution. So the better ones will better chemistry will happen more, and the other ones will drop away, um, and it'll get more complex over time. Uh, you know that's a motive force. Um, so you know, I, I think I don't think it'll be. I don't believe it'll be panspermia, but wow, if it is, you know. Yeah. <laughs> where, where, where does that come from, though? Where's the where's the origin of that? So I do think it'll be chemistry off of rocks, or it'll be chemistry. Uh, you know, hot springs or whatever it might be that um, starts off life. And I think, uh, yeah, we'll see. Hmm. What do you think of like the, what if they're already here? Like the, some of the, some of the videos that the, the Pentagon and stuff have been releasing through the New York times are like, I look at them. I'm like, so it's either you're flexing. This is some new military tech that you don't want to like say is yours, but like you're trying to, I don't know, freak someone out about it. It's like that, or they're telling us there's something flying around. Um, mm. Have you seen like some of the the videos they released and like uh, what was his name, uh, Commander David Fravor? Like went and did a bunch of interviews and talked about it. Yes, I don't know. I'm I'm st I'm skeptical that those are like you know if they really were advanced, we, we would it, it wouldn't be hidden. Like I you know if they're really here, we'd know about it. I I think those are I think nature has a lot of uh, phenomena and power that we don't understand or appreciate yet and you know just like the earthquake that happened in turkey today you know uh you know it's just it's just immense power so i think a lot of i, I personally think a lot of those uh local uh sightings of um unidentified objects probably have a technical reason and we just are beyond our comprehension yet mm. um you know if sure <laughs> i'd love to meet an alien like a from another or a, a conscious being or a um, intelligent being it would be fascinating to but i i don't expect to do that wouldn't it just be terrifying too yeah yeah oh, they, i don't think they would particularly care about us <laughs> no we don't particularly care about ants but like Correct. we'd still squish them like that's yep. that's, that's the bit <laughs> and, that scares they're, me <laughs> they're the dominant multi-celled life on earth and so you know they're actually far more successful than we are didn't know that there you go yeah fresh knew something every day i didn't see this earthquake either that's horrifying no i don't, don't go there it's very sad very very sad it's just terrible isn't it um so back to more uh biomedical animation related things 
Um, so uh, the the other thing I wanted to ask you about was um, the the animation you did um, of the where is it? Got the cell replicating. Ah, yeah, about the with the chromosomes. Um, oh so, yes, yep. Yeah, so um, yeah, the 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 last one that you showed in your TED talk, and I was looking at it. Sorry. So now I never cough after skiing. That's <laughs> uh, where'd you go? Oh, we'll talk later. Yeah, I was in Austria. Um, I used to oh, work nice. there, so it was nice to go out and see see some people. Um, that I used to work great, with. Um, uh, awesome. Yeah, but it's cost me a cough, a cough so but uh, yeah. <laughs> worth it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah. so yeah, the 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 I wanted to talk about this 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 mechanism why be, uh, whereby they're like walking the information down the down the the strands by down the oh, what was it the microtubules yes. the microtubules so, that's it so so you have little walking motors um and they've been known about for a long time and i've only shown uh, in that particular animation I, I showed three different types um we know of like uh the little guys we know of about 20 i think so far and dining the one with the long legs um there are, again, variations of that. It's recycled and reused in different ways throughout the cell. There, So there are lots and lots of those little uh, motors um, that for transporting things around the cell, uh, there are the tracks, the microtubules and actin um, and other cytoskeleton, like didn't tracks for orienting things and providing a hub for these little motors to walk along. Um, so that's actually nothing surprising for cell biologists, uh, but it's it is pretty awesome. I, I mean, I did do that animation specifically because I knew it would resonate with people because uh, it's pretty incredible. Mm. But the other hand is uh, it's like your muscles, for example, uh, work with just millions and millions of these little feet grabbing along little ratchet mechanism, powered ratchet mechanism for pulling. And that's every time you contract every one of your muscles, it's just your signal going in and your cells then doing these lots of little ratchets to pull in. And then the signal comes in to, to relax and it just relaxes in all little mode. So that's how muscles work too. So yeah, now we have a lot of uh, stories about those sorts of mechanisms. Mm. So that's what's going on in your muscles as well. So it's like, what, like, yeah. so you're, it's, you're looking at like, some version of these little like motors that are walking along and they're getting a signal along some what something equ equating to like the 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 microtubules yeah. or some something passing the signal yeah. to them all uh so in your muscles uh it's actually like little calcium ions so it's just in the um little um uh outside this particular compartment little channels open up and it lets little ions come in like just um like a little rain and while they're there uh, it activates the muscle and then it quickly it also has little pumps to pump them out again the, the these little ions so it's like um it's, it's happening at, chemi at chemical speeds at uh, speeds that we can't even imagine uh that in and out of those sorts of um uh components but that that's the chemical signal once if that ion is there the calcium is there the, the muscle starts contracting as soon as the ion, ions are gone, it relaxes. And that's happens so quickly. We, we don't even perceive it. We just have our muscle reactions, um, which are triggered by our nerves, which then trigger the cells, which then trigger all these mechanisms, but they happen at such a fast speed that we, you know, we just notice the muscles contracting. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's wild to think like the light speed chemical and biological signals that are being sent through your brain every every one second or the other. It's yeah. it's yeah. really really crazy. So like a high what are, so you said there's now with like 20 of these different little motors inside the chromosome that you, that you've discovered. Like so inside our cells. Inside yeah. your cells. So 20 different different variations of these motors uh for some you know for different situations for transporting things or for creating a force or for pulling things or for keeping things in place. Uh, and, and not only that, so the tracks, the microtubules that are running along, um, they are actually a load bearing element. Um, so like when you have a bridge, you have this, the, the bridge structure itself, and then they have the cables, uh, the load bearing structures, the, the metal beams are what the microtubules are like, and they can be assembled and disassembled very quickly. They're made of little parts, the microtubules, so they can set up these, these load bearing beams. And there's other forms of scaffolding, which are like called actin, which are more like uh, the cables. So the biomechanics of how your cells operate are very familiar, very reminiscent of what we see around us. And there's there's these motors for moving things along. There's pumps for pumping things in and out. Uh, and they're all made out of little, you know, little enzyme molecules. So, um, yeah. So, it, you know, it's not unimaginable, but as in uh, how these things work, um, but they're pretty incredible. Yeah, what I find ironic, like really ironic, is that um, like surgeons or doctors um, are often like criticized for viewing, you know, people like a machine. You see, like, you know, mm. you're just treating it like a car or, you know, that you're repairing. Mm. And, and then it, when you get down to the very like tiniest, tiniest scale, it's, it is kind of like a machine that's running. <laughs> Yeah, well, on, on many, many scales. So, yeah, but also that you have to be careful because that's also a framing by our human perception and the way our culture works mm. or the culture defines things. So uh, the metaphors we're using here are, you know, they're reasonable for communicating it, but that's not really, mm. you know, if you want to get down to it, how it, you know, it depends on how you describe it. But certainly I think it's um, within the ballpark <laughs> to describe it as motors and and things like that. So it's parts of a machine. Mm. Yeah. So is this definitely the tiniest scale at which things operate? There's not like a, another level that we haven't got to yet. Uh, yes, there is. Oh. <laughs> um, so, you know, you've been hearing about quantum computers and quantum mechanics. Mm. Um, and of course, your cells use quantum effects. Uh, uh, like, for example, photosynthesis that plants use to capture sunlight uh, is a quantum effect. Uh, so it captures these photons of light. And then they, uh, because of their quantum behavior, they're able to hop, uh, like a, a hop from molecule to molecule to drain to be then captured and used to break up water. So um, those and quantum effects also are used inside your cells to power them, uh, to capture electrons and to pass them around. So the weird, the quantum weirdness, which probably won't go into now, but the quantum weirdness uh, that we're just use, starting to use with our computers and um, other, you know, ways of measuring the world, um, biology has been doing it for since the beginning. So billions of years. So and we're just starting to learn about it. I did not know that. That is absolutely mm. mind blowing. I had no idea we yeah, were it, using quantum effects inside our bodies. Yes, no, I mean it's yeah, it's kind, but it's not surprising if the if the the if you know if if there is a way of using it, uh, then the, you know, 
then and it's part of nature, it's part of the physical world around us, then your cells will do it. And then certainly um the mole- the cell, the very small, the microscopic, the molecular world is very bizarre and very different to the way we normally perceive the world. And there's a lot of effects and a lot of um factors there that we don't fully appreciate. Um so yeah, but it's if it's available, your cells will use it mm. or have been using it. When did we discover that? Uh, which the the quantum effects? Yeah, the quantum effects inside the human body, or in biology generally. Uh, well, um, so it. I think it's re- the kind of we. It's been a mystery for how things have been getting around, like electrons. It's it's been a long while, quite frankly. Like um, we first started discovering how metabolism, how our cells break down food and oxygen. You know, food we eat and oxygen from the air to create energy. And um, there were, the mechanisms were discovered in like the early mechanisms were in the twenties and thirties, forties. But there was certainly a mystery for parts of it, how it worked. Um, I'm not sure when it's really coming more and more clear in the literature over the last 10 or 15 years. Uh, I, well, it's only because I have become a, learned about it and been able to read the literature and see that actually it's been described there. I just didn't appreciate it before. So it's been there for a while, but I certainly think um, these sorts of mechanisms are being described more cl- clearly and uh, are appearing in in discoveries um, more so now. Uh, but I, maybe it's just me starting to appreciate it, but it's certainly there now um, in the way discoveries, uh, how mechanisms, how the molecular mechanism work, how uh, yeah, how things go awry in disease and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. No, the reason I ask is just because if if I was like a, a string theorist or a quantum physicist, I would be screaming mm. this from the rooftops that like, it'd be like, look, it's real. We, it can be used if biology, because mm. just because so many, so many of like our best bits of technology are like, like mere imitations of some of the things that nature can do, like, like electrical circuits or, um, yeah photosynthesis like energy creation from 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 the sunlight or um even oh, i can't think of another example right now off the top of my head but yeah, yeah. so in yeah. in in some of like oh hexagons as being like in beehives but hexagons being like the strongest way you can make a yeah like something mm. like even even down to like graphene um yep so so I would I I'm I'm stunned that I haven't heard more about this from from anyone who's like vaguely interested in quantum physics because yeah that would be my first mm. port of call I'd be like look it it does work yeah it does it does and it's and and actually now uh, it's been yeah the last ten or so years I've become aware of it I'm seeing it everywhere like it and actually uh, because twenty years before that I've been reading literature and just kind of going gee that's weird I don't kind of like there's been this sort of a uh, the, the the structures are there and they're describing it. They're saying, oh, the electron hops over there. And, and it was like, how, what? Like, <laughs> how's it doing that? Now I now I have an appreciation that it's it's to do with um, when you come down to the very small um, individual atoms, electrons, uh, they behave in a quantum way. Um, they are, uh, they have um, capability or they have um, ways of behaving that are uh both that are both as a particle and a wave so um and and that's exploited by our cells uh in and the way life comes about and you know talking about origin of life i i would not be surprised if there is a quantum 
aspect to the way life arose. I mean, I, I fully expect that. Um, yeah. So it's, it's just because it's not been familiar to the public, uh, the, the quantum ideas or what quantum physics is about, um, that we haven't really, it hasn't become, it's now becoming popular culture with quantum computing, multiverse ideas. I know all that sort of hmm. like, uh, uh, there's a, yeah, there's a new, uh, Marvel film coming out, uh, quantum mania anyway. Mm. So <laughs> yeah, the third Ant-Man one. <laughs> yeah. That's well, it. the whole, the yeah. whole premise of, of Avengers Endgame is that they were, he, they were, you know, they were able to go through the quantum realm to go back in time. Yeah. Uh, based yep. on complete accurate science, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Versus like the fifties where it was all about nuclear, you know? Uh, so we're just in that time for quantum right now, but in yeah. fact, and it's going to be very familiar and very normal in the future, but uh, I, I'm optimistic for what that reveals. That's so accurate. Actually in the fifties, all the cartoons being all the, all, all the comic books, like all the, all the characters were created through some sort of nuclear radiation. <laughs> yes, exactly. And anxiety about nuclear bombs. So mm. yeah. Mm. I'm surprised there wasn't more people killed trying to become a superhero actually. <laughs> you never hear about them <laughs> yeah yeah because they became superheroes and you, we don't know <laughs> yeah um if you like maybe maybe this would take too long to explain but you said there that the 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 there's a biological mechanism to exploit the the fact that um at the quantum level um particles can exist as a wave or a particle could you attempt mm. to explain that because that sounds incredible um sure yeah so yeah it's no this this is actually a classic moment where it's better to show an animation rather than to tell it with words uh show not tell can you tell Um, me where i might find it and or if there if there is one you know yeah i do but i haven't actually um made that prominent in my animations to because it's already a lot for people to take in to see how the mechanisms work but um the one i just point to um, is called the electron transport chain and what that's about is um how your cells the mitochondria which is like the powerhouses inside your cells generate energy and part of what they do um is they are they create a barrier from the one side to the other side and they're able to extract from chemicals uh electrons and then they pass the electrons from one place to another by them hopping along they hop through the enzymes and um the way that happens is so the enzyme is like imagine a a subway sandwich um uh, so that's that's not this so this is uh not my animation uh this is uh i probably identified oh biovisions okay this is from harvard um and so i can go back and find if you if you want to be on youtube yeah, i can find it so not this one um so if you head down south it's a fairly okay there it is the greeny blue one here 2019 down the bottom this one yep wonderful okay yeah so um the way that your cells, uh, the way that it, the electrons are captured and then pulled or passed through the system, through these enzymes, um, uh, essentially, uh, it creates these little uh, places. So right now, so we're looking at coenzyme NADH, the little green molecule coming in there. Mm-hmm. And what it's doing is releasing an electron. Um, and then you have this long boomerang shaped uh, enzyme so this is what an enzyme looks like um, but it's the electron hopping through so they 
top left hand side, yeah. you have NADH dropping the electron, that little blue dot that's hopping through. And so the little purple uh, structures inside the enzyme are uh, like little places which can hold that electron. But there isn't a wire connecting them. The electron actually uh, is it's let off the top left hand side. And then the next purple spot is um, a slightly better place for it to be. And because I'm not representing it in this animation, but the electron actually uh, is acting also like a wave. So it actually, it's it's exact location is spread out. And within that location is the next purple spot. So um, because it's within the range of the wave uh, function, where what describes where the electron is, mm-hmm. um, it the electron can then, then hop be start existing at the next spot and the next spot and each one is better than the last one for it to where it wants to be because of the charge and the and for the lower and lower energy states so um that you know that's my attempt to explain it um in that particular case in the same case here you got electrons little blue dots i, I show them moving from one spot to the other uh, that's because i'm or they, they sort of move in a direction. That's because I'm showing it to humans, where in fact they would be in one location, then instantly be at the next because they are quantum in behaving. Uh, but they, they, it's essentially a path that they go, hopping from one place to another. But in, in the representation I'm showing here, they they move in a linear direction because if I did them hopping, you wouldn't be. It'd be very hard to understand, even more hard to understand. So it's just one of the challenges. And I'm uh, in these animations. I'm not attempting to show the quantum realm uh, or the quantum behaviors. It's more the overall behaviors. Um, but certainly in the future, uh, my animations will be more careful about uh, accurately representing what the quantum behaviors are like because uh, it's it's critical and core to what's so the way things are moving around inside the enzyme here are uh, are quantum. Okay. In nature. Wow. That's my attempt. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, I kind of get it. I'm not going to pretend like I, I, I got all of it, but I, I got most of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'll have to brush up for next time because uh, I, I see more and more of this sort of storytelling coming because um, it's everywhere in biology. Yeah. Well, I mean, people, yeah, like you said, the, the quantum thing is is like all the rage and, and people will be or just interested in anything that says the word quantum on it, I think. Um, yeah. Up, yeah, at least more likely to get a click buzzword. Yeah, yeah, it's literally mm. a buzzword. Um, mm. So, so the last thing, um, actually, I wanted to ask about um, just because uh, you seem like someone who's very well read on many different, like I don't know, mo- like uh, contemporary scientific things, uh, is uh, ChatGTP four mm. and how mm. fast you think this or just. Um, GPT, GPT, or is it GTP? Yep, GTP, uh, G- general GPT, GPT. GPT. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and just the general um, neural network that 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 has built it. Mm. It's like how how fast does this get out of control? <laughs> I think the genie's out of the bottle. I I really think this is a very profound technology uh, that's going to shake everything up. I mean, looking at just like all the like alphabet, uh, meta. Facebook all sacking tens of thousands of uh, IT workers because they are now moving into AI. I, I really wonder about the negative aspects of uh, employment um, and who this sort of stuff will replace, uh, the sort of work that this will replace. I mean, it'll open up new possible, new kinds of work, sure. But uh, there's a lot of um, general work that this is only, it's only just come out like months, a few months ago. Uh, and 
you know, two years from now, it's and it's it's ex- exponential growth. I really do wonder. Um, it, it, you know, very exciting. It'll create lots of new opportunities, but it's also going to be have you know a, a tremendous negative impact on uh, people's livelihoods as well, uh, just because it can easily replace them for essentially no cost. Um, so I wonder. I wonder uh, for science itself. For my work, it's it's already just had a profound impact um because uh, we were describing how uh my work is about us uh, uh these sorts of forms of data we're able to assemble uh we know exact the, the exact 3d shape of these enzymes and that's from a very slow expensive laborious technique taking uh where you go you take a crystal of a protein you and you beam x-rays at it and from that it's like you uh you can't uh, right in a, in a dark room, you have a chandelier, but you can't see the chandelier. But if you, what you can do is shine a light in the shan, uh, in the room, and you see the spots on the wall where mm. um, all all the the light is reflected off the chandelier. Uh, and you look, you can calculate from the spots on the wall the shape of the chandelier, and that's the way for decades and decades we've been reconstructing the shape of enzymes. We can't see the enzymes directly, but if you beam an, uh, an X-ray at them, you see the spots, and you can reconstruct the shape of the enzymes. Now, with uh, AI-driven software, it can predict, just guess the shape of the enzymes based on the uh, the genetic code, the amino acids, the 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 the, the linear code of 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 uh, what makes the enzyme. Um, so now with like a, almost like a Google search, and I've already done this. I can dial up the 3D shape of these enzymes, and what that we've been moving so slowly, uh, it's getting faster and faster and better and better with the the human technique of X-ray crystallography and other. Uh, there's other techniques like it that are very labor intensive. The the AI one isn't as good yet, but it also has opened up, you know, it used to be a PhD, you discover the structure of one 3D structure, and you do a PhD, your your thesis on that. Uh, Now, you know, you just type it in a Google search, and bam, there's your structure. So the pace of discovery and the opportunities are enormous, and there's going to be a really really huge speed up of discovery and and various diseases will have solutions very soon in you know, years decades coming very soon mm. and i'm very optimistic about that but also there will be a negative consequence of um remo- removing humans and uh from the from the work of doing that i i, I don't know i i you know i've got two sides to it you know mm. so but i you know chat gpt i i'm very excited, very disturbed by it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is, but it's it's it is really that. It's it's exciting and disturbing. But I guess all new discoveries are, and yeah, thus far we haven't but made it, one that's killed us. So you know, nuclear yeah. bombs didn't get us yet. No, yeah. no. I, I, but it's it's the speed of this and and how fast it's being adopted and the impacts it's already having. The ChatGPT and on, on employment for all these major co- companies, and they're all all in on having, you know, like Clippy, the little cl- uh, paper clip in Microsoft. That's he's going to be back, and it's going to be an AI. It's going to help you write automatically write letters, respond to emails for you automatically, uh, create a web page text for you automatically. So. That's a vast amount. Anyway, it's a vast amount of human labor that's now going to be automated. And also, I think the impact of that, of having it in an AI's hands for all that kind of activity, mistakes are going to be made or 
consequences will be had where who knows like the bias of that kind of a system i don't know we'll mm. see yeah that does concern me mm. you think we're ready to have this kind of wisdom or like not even wisdom maybe that's what we're lacking are we ready to have this kind of intelligence at our fingertips uh it's the way we roll i guess um you know make our discoveries uh try and be ethical uh try and better human condition uh but there's always consequences i mean like we mentioned the nuclear times we're kind of still in that um the genetic re revolution of understanding the molecular mechanisms inside our cells from 20 years ago uh to to this now uh and the pace of change the technology is coming out now affecting all aspects of our lives but for me just looking at medical research i'm extremely optimistic uh of the pace and the the costs will come down uh for so many debilitating diseases and aging for example as well i i you know i think nothing's every, it's all open it's all possible um and and i uh you know i wouldn't try and imagine limiting it just yet because mm. <laughs> i think uh we have we're in a revolution well that's yeah lovely note on which to end so uh drew i really really want to thank you for your time uh it's been an absolute pleasure getting to chat to you um is there anything you want to plug or like specific that you want to point people towards before we finish uh no well if all of our animations are available for free uh creative commons uh if they want to uh, download our animations they go to wehide.tv um our youtube channels where most people see our animations so type in my name and and or wehide tv um uh, uh, or if just if you type in biomedical or molecular animation, my stuff will come up. Uh, there's a lot of stuff to explore. Also, my peers around the world publish our stuff on YouTube. Um, and, you know, it's all it's all mind boggling. So um, and that's what biology is all about. So I hope to inspire and I have been inspiring generations of students to go into this kind of re research, um, you know. And and I I see huge future for careers in this this kind of work. Uh, it's a it's a it's a boom time, a golden era of this kind of discovery. So, yeah, plenty plenty to be discovered. Well, I am sure you will inspire a few more along the way. Uh, Drew, thanks very much, man. It's been been an absolute pleasure chatting. Thank you, a pleasure. Thanks for in your interest in my work. Thank you. Hey everyone, thanks for making it right the way to the end of the podcast. I love that you tuned in this long. Do me a favor, hit subscribe because 80% of you bastards are not subscribing, but you're watching my videos. See you next time.